invite you to remain standing a moment longer for this morning's reading of the gospel. I'll be reading from the gospel according to John, the 16th chapter, verses 12 through 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own, but will speak whatever He hears. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, because He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. For this reason I said that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, as we have said several times, this is both Father's Day and Trinity Sunday. And I know a lot of people are always curious about uh, the doctrine of the Trinity and, and how the, uh, the Bible uh, doesn't name the Trinity uh, uh, directly, uh, but indirectly. And so we'll see some evidence of that, or you just heard some evidence of that, and I'll address that here in a few moments. But I wanted to have more of a focus uh, this year on Father's Day. You know, when I was thinking of my own father, uh, who's been gone now for several years, uh, my father was shaped and is a, uh, by a generation that we now call the greatest generation. Uh, it was a generation that knew hard work. Uh, there was sweat equity in all that was done. There was uh, some uh, uh, certainly a time of unrest uh, during a time of war, uh, but, but that generation was shaped by hard work, uh, by commitment, uh, there was shrewdness, uh, there was uh, savings, and, and, and not a lot of, uh, of expenditure. But I also believe that that generation, especially uh, the males of that generation, struggled quite often in telling children, I love you. I know my own father. I, I, I cannot remember a day when my own biological father ever told me, I love you. But he showed it in awful lot of ways. And so that was one of those unique things about my father's generation. And I think that still shapes a number of us today. We, we may not take time to, to literally say, I love you to our children, but I think at least Christian men find ways to show love to their children and to others. You know, parenting is, is work. I think anybody that's ever uh, had a, a child or fostered a child or had stepchildren or, or was around children knows that, that parenting is a, is a real challenge. And I think if it's done right, it has to be done in love. Uh, I think that is the, the essence of, of good parenting, of good fathering when it's done in, in love. So today I think I want to, to say you fathers and even you mothers, you grandfathers, you grandmothers... You stepmothers, you stepfathers, you foster parents, thank you. We salute you for the work that you've done. If it's been the work in the church helping raise us, helping raise others' children, we thank you and we salute you for that kind of work. Robert Lewis uh, uh, did a, a work and it was called Real Family Values. And, and in that, he, uh, he describes uh, a, a household uh, but, but also he tells a story uh, about a picture that was discovered in Cooperstown, Ohio. And you baseball fans know that Cooperstown is where the Baseball Hall of Fame is located. In the early 90s, 
they were doing some cleanup work, some, some rearranging of some of the display cases there, uh, and they found a picture uh, stuck in a crevice uh, behind one of the display cases. And it was a picture when they looked at it, it had a note uh, stapled to it, but in the picture there was a, a man, uh, and he, had a, he was dressed in, a, uh, in, in what we would probably now describe as an older-fashioned kind of a baseball uniform, had Sinclair oil on the chest, he had a baseball bat over his shoulder, uh, and the man looked very peaceful and proud of who he was as a baseball player. And remember now, this is in the, uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame, tucked into a crevice. The note was what I thought was so interesting. The note said, Dad, I'm glad you made it to the Hall of Fame. You played baseball well. You played with me as much as you could. You helped work on the baseball fields. You're worthy of the Hall of Fame. I thought that was touching that somebody in their point in life took a photograph of their father and made sure they had their own induction into the Hall of Fame. A touching salute from a child or a family to a father who was probably at that point long gone. Friends, as Christian parents, this day we say Father's Day, as a, as a father, values matter. What we say, what we do matters, not only to our own children or the children that we are raising or helping to raise, but to those around us. And I look at Jesus. Now, in this 15th and 16th uh, chapters, this is part of, it's not the entirety of what we call the farewell discourse, uh, but in this part of John's gospel, that certainly what I read to you is part of that, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure. They don't get it yet. They haven't had a crucifixion. Jesus is still alive. Uh, they are thinking about the here and now, and they haven't been able to fully comprehend what is to come. And so Jesus is teaching them and preparing them for his absence. And here is where we find some, not the only proof of the Trinity, and again, friends, if you try to search the Bible looking for Trinity, that word, you're not going to find it. That is, the, uh, that is the, the word we have given to what is going on in the one Godhead, the three persons of the one God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in these few short verses of the 16th chapter, uh, 12 through 15, we find Jesus talking about the Father and the Holy Spirit. And he doesn't say, it's me. He's talking about the Father who he prays to and, and visits through prayer regularly. And he's talking about uh, the Holy Spirit who is to come, who will help us unpack all of these truths about God. And so here is that indirect evidence, if you will, of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is, is talking of these other two persons of the Godhead and not saying they are me. So friends, on this Trinity Sunday, for those that were looking for that kind of deeper uh, diving into the deep end of the pool, I want you to, to see that Jesus is fully connected and fully interdependent on both the Father, the first person of the Trinity, and the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Now in Jesus' day, in this patriarchal time of the world, uh, Jesus was a male. Uh, and so he is given the, 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 all of the pronouns that go with males, right? Son, uh, boy, man. He gets those kinds of descriptors. And, and he has an earthly father who's not his biological father. Of course, the Holy Spirit uh, is his 
Father, but he talks about the Father in heaven, whom he spends time in relationship with. And so here is Jesus, who, who is brought up by Joseph, an earthly man. You know, in, the, in, the, in Jesus' age and time, it was the father's responsibility, and so in, in the household of Jesus, uh, Joseph and, and Mary are his earthly parents. Uh, it is Joseph's responsibility to teach Jesus, to teach him. And so when Jesus emerges, uh, we see in Luke's gospel when he's in the temple, and then later uh, when he is uh, reading and, and preaching and teaching in and, 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 uh, other parts of the Bible, the Old Testament parts of the Bible like Isaiah, it is more than likely Joseph who has inspired him and taught him and made time spending with Jesus to help him understand this revelation of God and how special Jesus is uh, in, in the world of his knowing. So we have Joseph, I think, inspiring Jesus uh, to, to grow in his faith. And I find that remarkable because today, so many of us struggle with time. Uh, I have a list here. This is a, so I want to talk a little bit about time. This is a, a Dr. Charlie Shedd a number of years ago uh, had a c- contest. And he invited, now this, you know this is older because people had to write. You couldn't email this list in. You had to write and send this uh, to an address. But, but this was a contest to see uh, who could have their father recognized as one neat dad. One neat dad. That's a pretty good contest. And so he compiled all of the list. He said, name ten things uh, that would make your dad one neat dad. And so here is his list that Dr. Charlie Shedd compiled from all of the responses. The number one item at the top of the list was, he takes time for me. Followed by, he listens to me, he plays with me, he invites me to places with him. He lets me help him. He treats my mother well. That's powerful. He lets me say what I think. He is nice to my friends. He only punishes me when I deserve it. He is not afraid to admit when he is wrong. So these are children talking about what makes their father neat. I hope men, women, as you are hearing that list you thought about maybe those areas where you might excel and maybe some other areas where some improvement might be needed. Don't ever think that your child or grandchild or great-grandchild is too old to be that loving parent for them. You know, I read a list like that and then I saw something else that was more of a startling statistic. Uh, Dr. Seymour Diamond did some research on family values and systems And he said this, and he did a lot of research, but this is kind of what drew my attention to it. He said, in the typical American household, where where there is a father present now, that's not so typical these days, uh, but where there is a male present, the average American male gives 38 seconds of undivided attention to a child. 38 seconds of a day. Undivided now. Now, divided attention, Dr. Diamond said, 20 minutes. These days, does that look like phone in one hand talking to the child? You see how we are distracted, and we don't give our children that kind of time. In the Scriptures, Jesus finds time, sometimes by saying, I'm going over here to pray, to go spend time with His 
Heavenly Father. Time where he is doing probably more holy listening than he is petitioning for the things that he thinks he needs or the things that he thinks he may want or the places he thinks he might like to go. And friends, that's a challenge for us today to give time not just to our children but to our fathers and especially to our Heavenly Father to help hear the voice of God in our discernment of our futures, of our next few moments, of our next week, of our next year, or the next phase of our lifetime. So Joseph becomes that role model for Jesus. Jesus becomes that role model for us. And what Jesus says, let me reread that, that part. This is verse 13 out of chapter 16. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak it on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. But before Jesus said that, he said, look, you can't bear, you can't bear these things without, you can't do these things, he said, without the Holy Spirit. And so oftentimes we as disciples, we we as people who say, we believe in Jesus, we want to have Jesus but we don't rely on the Holy Spirit. And yet Jesus says you can't bear them without the Holy Spirit. So friends, our challenge here on this Father's Day is to not just be people of knowledge, to know of Jesus, to know the things of Jesus, to know how Jesus talked, how He said, what He he believed. It's for us to believe. It's for us to allow the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us so that greater truth can be revealed. So that we can be better fathers, better mothers, better people, better disciples. So it's not about the knowledge we have, it's about the letting go of the barriers that keep us from moving deeper into a life with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's it's beginning to trust beginning to let loose. These disciples had Jesus in their face, in their very life, and He said, you can't bear these things without the Holy Spirit. And in essence, Jesus says, I'm going to leave you so that the Holy Spirit can come to you. And yet all we want to have is Jesus. Jesus who taught us to love. Jesus who points to things, but we don't trust in the power the Holy Spirit has to make our lives even richer, even more abundant in love, even more faithful as disciples. So in this relationship of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you see one God, yet three persons, all relying on one another. The Father to send His Son. The Father to send His Holy Spirit. The Son who prays to the Father for guidance, for direction, for hope and for care. The Holy Spirit who comes to to make these truths that Jesus lived and and died and lived again for to make them powerful for us, life-changing for us, to bring the Father and the Son together in powerful ways. All of these persons point to us this need to be in relationship with one another. Yes, to God through Jesus, but with one another, depending on one another working with one another, living with one another, 
making this beautiful life even more beautiful because we learn to grow in love with one another. Friends, the doctrine of the Trinity isn't easy, but maybe if we look at those human relationships, that relationship that Jesus had with the Father, we, we just assume that Jesus, because He's God and came into the world as the Son of God, that it was easy for Him. And I think if we had the opportunity to talk to, to Mary and Joseph to, to say, where were your growing edges with this little boy Jesus? Oh, he ran around like other kids did. And he tended to do this. And maybe every once in a while we said, you don't need to talk like that. You don't need to, uh, to, to think like that. that. That we've got to have these role models. We've got to have Christian faith, Christian life to help shape this world. You know, I'm always fascinated when I hear parents, because I'm sure I did it. You know the counting game? Do this, and the child doesn't. One. Well, isn't one just as important as three when you're going to get to three? But the child doesn't think so, right? Two. Oh, it's, isn't it? It's just as important, right? Two is just as important as one and three, right? But we said two. And then they know if we get to three, oh my gosh, you know, it's going to break loose. They, they go ahead and do it. Isn't that fascinating? 60 Minutes, several years ago, did a story. There was a, a wildlife refuge in, in Africa. And... Ten years before the story that 60 Minutes reported occurred, there were so many elephants in this reserve that the park rangers decided they had to thin the herd out. And so any adult elephant, especially the males, who didn't have responsibility to a, an elephant family unit, they were killed to eliminate the, the, to, to eliminate the herd. What happened ten years later was unexpected. Thirty-nine albino rhinos on the reserve were killed. Now, we would think poachers after a white rhino, that, that might be the answer to that. But what the park rangers found out is, no, it was not poachers, it was elephants that had knelt on them and killed these albino rhinos. Furthermore, what was happening was there were some delinquent elephants. We think of juvenile delinquents running amok. And... They called in some researchers, and the researchers said, look, these young elephants don't have any males to dominate them. There's no father in the household. There's nobody to, to role model for these young elephants. And so they would find these roaming gang of, of juvenile elephants throwing sticks at other animals, shooting water out of their trunks, being what we might think is, is child's play. But they were bullying the other animals and killing these albino rhinos. The leader of the, the band of juvenile elephants had to be killed by the park rangers. And the researchers suggested bring in a large bull elephant to give them a male, a dominant male in the herd. And that answered the problem. Reinstilling a dominant male elephant gave the young formerly delinquent elephants, a role model to follow. Friends, if, if we're in a family with, with no biological father, no foster father, no stepfather, if you're a single mother, I know you have your work cut out for you. I know you just can't go out and shop for a male and bring a male into the household. I get that. But when we involve ourselves in a fellowship, in a communion of saints like a church, there are plenty of male role models. And so men, I'm telling you, you've got to step up because the children are watching what you say and what you do. 
And you can become that role model for those children. Because parenting these days, as I mentioned earlier, is not always easy. But I'm so thankful for the dads out there. You know, Hank Aaron, the great baseball player, when he was growing up, he said they were so poor, he said his dad every day would give him a quarter so he could eat lunch. That's what it cost for a, a, a meal in the school cafeteria, a quarter. Hank Aaron said, I knew where that quarter was coming from. My dad was skipping his own lunch and giving me his quarter so that I could eat while I was in school. And he said it was in that act of sacrificial love because he said, you know, my dad was of that generation where he just didn't say, I love you. But he sacrificed so that Hank could have a lunch. The Father, the Heavenly Father, Almighty God, sacrificed so that you and I could have life. Abundant life. Not life as a robot. Not life with a set of rules that keep us from enjoying life. But real, true, abundant life. He sacrificed. He sent His Son into the world. And that Son died so that we could be forgiven. And that's that greatest act of love that we could ever hope for or imagine. So what are you willing to sacrifice? Is it old ways, old thinking, old customs? You see, God wants to give you more life, more joy in your life. But you've got to trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. You've got to be willing to, to let loose so that you can have more. So I'm thankful on this Father's Day for the men amongst us that are willing to be role models. That may take some sacrifice. It may take some sacrifice to have some males in our Sunday school classes, helping with our vacation Bible school, being seen at Wednesday night activities, at fellowship activities, at mission projects, because our kids are looking and our kids are in need of role models. I'm thankful for the men that go out and, and volunteer in our public schools. I'm thankful for your giving, for your sacrifice. But I'm most especially thankful for our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who set that pattern of building relationships, of, of making those necessary sacrifices, but also pointing to the great life before us when we say yes. So I hope and I pray that as we prepare our own Selves to come to this, the Lord's table this day, that you can celebrate the work of our parents. This day it's Father's Day. Next, Grandparents' Day. Mother's Day is 11 months away. But we have time to be that, that God-sent parent for not only our own children, but the children around us. For they need the hope and the love that our God has given us. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.